0: Box 5 and Hot 97 present Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. I'm so glad you're joining us for our weekly Street Soldiers TV show. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. This is a special episode of exclusive interviews with two very different men, but they both have something in common. Each succeeded against the odds using hip-hop as a prime motivator. I had exclusive access backstage at Barclays with 50 Cent during the Brooklyn stop of his international final lap tour. I was also given exclusive access at City Hall with New York City Mayor Eric Adams he took me on a private tour of hip hop art displayed in the historic building for the
1: first time here at City Hall and our goal was to use these posters to show the evolution and you remember the good old days $2 $3 $5 you know <laughs> it was it was it, and these are These are really iconic posters, and you just saw the creativity, nothing fancy. We'll have much more of my
0: exclusive interview with the mayor later on in the show. 50 Cent was relaxed as we met up for our one-on-one sit-down interview. It's been 20 years since his first album went platinum nine times, and 20 years since he did his first TV interview with me at the start of my Fox 5 TV career. A milestone moment for sure. We're here at the Crown Club in a hidden section of the Barclays Center in Brooklyn with a one and only 50 Cent. So great to see you, man. Oh,
2: it's great to see you again.
0: Great to see you. How does it feel to be back here in New York after you've been all over the world? Yeah, it feels
2: great, man. Like, And, and then I um kind of get the kinks out of the show before I get here. Because it's important to me that to <laughs> <laughs> leave, leave New York on a super high note. You know that. I only get, get back to the town.
0: Because the New so, York fans. Yeah, yeah. And New they're York different.
2: Fans. They've seen me. My, throughout my career, so I got to bring something, I got to show more showmanship than usual and do some things that they haven't seen from me before. So
0: so little surprises that they wouldn't have seen on your social
2: media? A, a few surprises. There's not, I, I like that the, the, they saw those things because I changed things.
0: Oh, good. For New York,
2: you know. Like.
0: And what, what gave you the whole idea to do this final lap tour? Like, such a big tour, because just the list of cities, I mean, every time I'm getting updates from your staff, yeah, it's
2: so. More cities are, more countries involved now, too. Well, I've I've traveled internationally on every single record, like every album I've gone out, but I haven't done it as extensively as this, this run is, and I won't be able to commit to that again because of my film and television, things that are going on there, and then this, I currently have 30 shows across 10 different networks, so I'll be back and working on that. I won't be able to, maybe they'll see me spot date or something like that, but they'll never see me Tour like this again,
0: with that many cities and that many dates and so So many venues and
2: and it feels like almost like like four days I'm performing four days out of the week. Wow. Yeah. So
0: and how do you keep the motivation up and the energy up? Because some of those dates too, you're in different places, like day to day
2: traveling. But it's exciting, though. It's still fun to get out and do it. I don't think look most of the time I think when artists early on, if they're not having fun, it's from anxiety. Right from, you know, wanting the, the audience to register them the right way mm-hmm. and at this point in my career, they, they've already shown me the love. So it's like, I'm just putting together the best possible show I can deliver to them right now and it has to change, the show has to change repeatedly because because of social media, they've already, they start to expose it. Right. And out of their excitement. Yeah. They were there for it, they showed the other people mm-hmm. and then, you just got to change it. You got to evolve the set list and, and change the, the things that happened happening in the show.
0: Let's take it back to the beginning, okay? 2003, 2002, the early 2000s. You were nearly killed. You mm-hmm. survived this horrible shooting. You had a record deal that was in the works or done and then it mm-hmm. got canceled. You end up having to go back and really push out your mixtapes and your, your music mm-hmm. yourself with a very small team of people. A lot of people wrote you off at that point uh-huh. um, until Get Rich or Die Trying mm-hmm. came out and has since gone nine times platinum, but what was it that kept you going?
2: When I made the decision to not be in the street, I uh, was, music was the option for me, and I looked at it like I won't leave no stalls unturned, and I do what I have to do to make that happen, but at the point that I was shot, it, it changed the, uh, going back to the neighborhood wasn't an option. I was being shot from the neighborhood. Right. By the neighborhood, you know what I mean? and. To make the, uh, to double down and go after the, like, creatively make music and different things. That came gradually and, and along with the thought process that was probably the craziest version of me. So it was fueling everything that I was doing at that point. Like, and it's just, it's just, I think how people channel their, when they hurt in different ways, they can, it can form a depression or you can get angry because you hurt you know what i mean right. and mine was, it was more comfortable anger is just was just more a more comfortable feeling for me than to be heartbroken or hurt about something like that because it happens in the environment it's not a one-off right yeah it's one of those things that happen so when it happens to you you i mean you, you can sit there and all you can really do is say it's not muscles like you can't Get shot nine times because you got muscles, you know what I mean it, yeah. it's just look at it like it's something that was meant to happen to you or it was mm-hmm. in it the, the car for you like so you just bounce back, you know like I don't allow anything to to stop me from what I want to do. I just it's just I had bigger obstacles in front of me before success, then now it's like that what they consider a roadblock is like a bump,
0: <laughs> you're like going, well, I can do this blindfold yeah like this. <laughs>
2: So, nothing compared to what faced early on.
0: And then, when, when Get Rich or Die Trying first hit, and it was first, that's when we first spoke with yeah. you, at first our, our first interview, and first met you and everything. What, that was like, I was explaining to people, okay, this is going to be really big, because we, we heard it popping on Hot 97, and uh-huh. the streets were really talking about it. But did you expect it to go that far, that fast?
2: No. I, the biggest record I seen prior to Get Rich Die, Trying was uh All Eyes on Me, Tupac's double C D. It's a so five minute record, so technically it was diamond. Right. And Get Rich Die Trying was nineteen cuts. It was a one cut short of a double C D and it so thirteen million like to date. So that um yeah, it, it was it exceeded my expectations mm-hmm. of success that project and then this, the second album, The Massacre, sold ten million records. Like and it, that's a lot. That was our whole career. Like LL Cool J's Exit thirteen, my first album was that. Right. Like this it's just in one record. But you know, like it L been on for so long that I've been watching him since he's the blueprint, him. Right
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and Another C-
2: Queens guy, right? Another yeah,
0: yeah. something about Queens. When I first saw the date, that, okay, you're coming to the Barclays, yeah. you know, first night is, is tonight, August 9th, mm-hmm. and then it's the week of the hip-hop 50th anniversary.
2: That's yeah, crazy. The that was not a coincidence, was it? It was amazing timing.
0: <laughs> it was the universe. Yeah, the
2: stars <laughs> lined up for me this time. But this is, this is exciting, like, you know, to be back in New York on the anniversary, it's really cool.
0: Coming up, we'll have more with 50 Cent as he talks about his future and why at his level of success, he takes no shortcuts. Stay with us. Where do you feel hip-hop is now, though, the culture
2: and the music? I think we're in a good place. Man. I think, look, I know the kids are hearing the older music. They're hearing 90s music, 90s R&B music the way we hear Motown music. Mm Mhm. Like you can still hear the melodies and hear why the record was a hit, but they got a different tone or sound that's driving them right now. And I think that that'll shift again. It won't stay in in like this drill pocket. The the drill sound in the music is going to move to something else.
0: So do you think that drill, speaking of drill music, Uh. there have been some very outspoken uh, voices in hip hop that say it's trash. That it's too violent. That it's just basically like gang mm-hmm. anthems. What do you think about that?
2: I think it reflects what's going on in the inner cities. You know, because that's happening at the same time. Right. It's not the the music's not being created without uh, a motivation. Like when we made a lot of the street culture and hip hop culture are very close to each other. That like the the themes that are there. Are consistent the our culture.
0: When you were starting out, there were like some big names already. That like mm-hmm. early 2000s period, the biggest like Jay Z, Nas. Do you feel like now, like okay, now I show people, like where do you, where do you put yourself, like in the hip hop top, oh, you know, I, top tier? I think hip hop does that
2: for you. They put you in the top tier. And you can't put yourself, <laughs> right? Because I always was better than them.
0: Wait, you're so modest. I was better than them forever.
2: <laughs> like since I first came, I've been better than them. But but I think hip hop has to put you in that spot. Right. And there's a, 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 a look, look I think when, in those time periods, like I think there's peak periods, yeah, where the artist is, is peaking and, and they're in a great position. They, I don't think that they they lose creative ability or uh, skill in any way. But I think they lose that window, the window of them being a the new hot thing within like, the music culture, and then. At that point, you would be focused on uh, surviving. Yeah. Because you got uh, a lot of artists that come and go. For sure. And the culture, one song, two songs, and you never see them again. And exactly. Then, and then there's the uh, being able to survive and sustain relevance over time. is think a big accomplishment.
0: You've been on the cover a bunch of times, like Men's mm-hmm. Health Magazine, talking about your different health and workout routines. Yeah. Is there any fifty cent, you know, like trick, like diet trick, or energy drink, or you you know, know, trick that you like for this day. tour? I mean.
2: Since what's the name? I I've lost thirty thirty pounds. Thirty thirty pounds since I I shot the cover of Men's Health. Wow! Because I had to come, I had to look like fifty cent. I was look, I was looking <laughs> like listen, look, I was like, I was like security, like this, look. look. <laughs> Um, oh, big as hell, right? But that was because I was doing a, I was playing a character on ABC, and I had to be as big as possible. And it wasn't like a. a, a in prison, the, the guys are not working out, so they look cut up, like they look. They just so get they look, big. They want strength, like so if they hit you, you see a white light, like and, then, and this fight is over. <laughs> so that that's what, what the goal was to to get into you know lifting as heaviest as weight as possible and trying to get as much. I was eating everything I could think of, like, they could really put on the weight. And then I did, yeah. and I was 253. That was the most I weighed, like, I've ever seen myself weigh, 253 pounds. Wow. And I shot I, I the ABC show at that weight, and then when I looked at the scale, I always grew relief for this. Like, I had went to the doctor and everything. I took physicals and stuff before I go on the run and I said, 253. I said, what? At least I've been hungry ever since. <laughs> i've been hungry i've been eating hair and i got water. some
0: trail ma- trail mix in my back organic trail mix a <laughs> little dried cranberries <laughs> and you can have some some organic some walnuts organic. And some organic.
2: that's just that's her secret yo she gave up the secrets right there in front of y'all
0: that's what it is eat like a bird <laughs> a little here and a little there yeah.
2: that's what works. works when the trainers
0: yeah you know, no exactly Exactly. Well, it's been great.
2: Anything else you want to let people know about, you know? Oh, man, just that they got to check me out, man. I'm going to be here. New York City in the Barclays is going down. And that
0: you're really talking to that lady.
2: That's right. I'm really talking to that lady. And later, (laughs) later, I'm going to talk to her again, and I'm going to tell you all the little secrets I had to tell you.
0: (laughs) Up next, we'll take you inside City Hall in the mayor's office and explore why he's called the hip-hop mayor, That's coming up. Welcome back to the special episode of Street Soldiers. During my exclusive interview with Mayor Adams, he shared how hip hop impacted his life. How did hip hop first grab you?
1: Uh, I think growing up uh, as a child, you know, seeing it come into being, you know, it's amazing sometimes you don't know uh, what you are experiencing. I grew up in South Jamaica, Queens, where you had of Run DMC and I used to see them coming to and from in their concerts carrying crates of records up the stairs Uh, so you know you just felt as though here was a sound that identified with you and it was put into place that you didn't have to have a great voice you didn't have to be a singer it was just an everyday sound that you were able to you know make happen it was it was something that just caught on
0: and I think that's one of the things too. You talk about how organic hip hop was to your daily life. That's the way it's been for so many of us. It's it's just
1: it was there. You didn't. It was everywhere basically. Right, right. And you would run home uh, every night after every day after school to catch uh, Ralph McDaniels on video music box, and people just used to listen uh, to you know just the different tracks and the different beat. The cassette tape, your Walkman, uh, and hear them. What was interesting is how it was a motivator for me. Like, you know, a Public Enemy, Fight to Power, uh, hearing those songs while I was doing different things uh, was just a real motivator.
0: And that's what I wanted to ask you, because the, how did it, what were some of the lessons or maybe just inspiration that you got from hip-hop? Because here's a culture in coming out of most some of the most underserved co- uh, communities in the United States, mostly black and brown uh, women and men, people who had been marginalized, whose stories were not being told.
1: Right, right. No, they weren't. And, you know, it goes back to Marvin Gaye, what's going on. So many of us was able to identify with what's going on in Marvin Gaye because they were talking about those issues, you know. And that's what hip hop did. Not only did it help us uh, enjoy this beat and the sounds but you heard and you saw yourself. And then what people don't even realize, it br- and branched out into a whole dress culture. You were able to see everyday actors wearing the clothing that you enjoy wearing and in the manner that you enjoy. So it was a whole different advertisement that no one was speaking to those issues before. No one was bold enough to connect the music to dress, to sound, and a whole style of its own. And you know, you hear the narrative, you hear the storylines, and you realize that you're not the only person that goes through difficult moments, and we travel through them. And uh, I just say that it is very much part of me. And you know, the previous mayors cannot say they were hip hop mayors. I'm the hip hop mayor.
0: Well, you're the first hip hop mayor. That's why we're, that's why it's a Lisa Evers exclusive, and we're talking to you. Um, Mr. Mayor, in terms of you, you recently unveiled this massive, A plan to deal with violence on a lot of different levels and just culturally too which i think is is groundbreaking in a lot of ways it's not just let's get the guns off the streets which is happening let's you know provide youth programs which more and more are being created but it's kind of a seismic shift in consciousness and is hip-hop part of that too because there's a lot a young generation now as you know these teenagers especially the drill culture which is the most popular with the, teen, the young teens, where you feel they need to be embraced and brought into these hip hop traditions, the positive ones.
1: Without a doubt. And particularly uh, drill music. What it was is that you have rival gangs that were using drill music for retaliatory actions. We want to show how do you use your craft to uplift and not to destroy it? And that is the purpose that we felt it was important to talk with a very popular version of drill music that's getting millions of views. And that's what we need to understand. Right. So those millions of views can motivate or they can devastate and we were fighting against the devastation.
0: As you have your your planning meetings and your brainstorm sessions and listen to all of the different people and you're, you're out talking with people directly in the community, and especially in the hip hop community, do you plan to have more music programs? Like I know PL's looking at them, like we did with Push for Peace, but on a regular basis where there's those ongoing conversations between generations with law enforcement, with artists, with community and with people who are on the formerly uh, involved law enforcement and not in a positive way.
1: Yes, no, without a doubt. Push for Peace was amazing. I mean, the events we used to do at Brooklyn Borough Hall uh, and the crowds we, we we would get, it was really ahead of his time. And I hope as we do an analysis of the 50 years of hip hop, they will really document some of the things we did back then. And we want to continue to do that. Look at Chief Madry, the chief of New York City Police Department. Right. He's a DJ. You know? And he'll he'll get on the tables in a minute and do his thing. And so it's important to allow people to see the cross-section, the intersectionality of those of us who are playing these important policy-making roles who have thought hip-hop would have brought us this far.
0: (laughs) So this is the first time there's been any kind of official hip-hop artwork.
1: Right, right, here at City Hall, and our goal was to use these posters to show the evolution. And you remember the good old days? Two dollars, three dollars, five dollars, you know? (laughs) It was, it was, and these are, these are really iconic posters. So as people come through here, we wanted them to like, to see the role of, you know, hip hop and how it played a major influence in uh, our community. Right next to my treadmill, we have our public enemy. This is the original poster that was given to me um, of a, co- a concert in London. And it was just amazing to see it. And having it here means a lot. Thank you for
0: joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers and special thanks to 50 Cent and Mayor Adams for giving us unprecedented access. You can watch the show again and share it on our Fox 5 NY YouTube page. Remember, use your mind as your best weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Let's push for peace, love and justice for all.